welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the Cubs have lost back to back to back series, but they managed to avoid getting swept in that third series as they faced off against the Mets at home right before they head into the All-Star break. Home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. If you find us and like us, leave us a five-star review and a rating so other people can find the show. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs. I write about all-star matchups. I write about why it's absolutely ridiculous that MLB has the futures game on Peacock hidden from all of the world and more for Bleed Cubby Blue. Danny is out this week, but I have a very special guest lined up. Please join me in welcoming Allison McCaig from our SB Nation Met site, Amazing Avenue. Allison also co-hosts their brilliant podcast, A Pot of Their Own, and was in Chicago this weekend to see the Cubs play the Mets. How's it going, Allison? Hi, Sarah. It's great to be here. I'm glad we got to have this reunion. I know. It's been a hot minute since we've done a Cup of Cubby Blue, a pot of their own crossover, and I'm so yes. excited that you were able to join me. Uh, first off, how's, like, how was Wrigley? How was your trip? It was wonderful. I I loved it so much. I, I it's instantly a top three stadium for me. I think of all the stadiums I've been to. Um, I don't know if you have any. I don't know if you have any Red Sox fan listeners, but I was like kind of let down by Fenway when I went there. Not that it wasn't nice. Like I liked it, but I was kind of like it was like Wrigley and Fenway are the two ones that are always like really hyped up right and so it's just like uh like Fenway was kind of like it was fine but I was like I don't really get the like whole big thing about it and I was like oh I'm worried it's gonna be the same thing again but it wasn't I was like oh this is everything that everyone has said and more it's a beautiful ballpark and I had such a nice time I actually was originally supposed to go to Friday night's game that got rained out and we freaked out because like I've never been to Chicago before and I have no idea when I'm going to be back again so I like so we panic bought tickets for Thursday's game instead and abandoned the other plans that we had um and I'm really glad we did because Friday's game ended up getting rained out and it got rescheduled for when I couldn't go because we were flying out Saturday morning um and I got to see a really nice Mets win <laughs> at on Thursday and uh the, not the grueling extra innings that the other two games were on Saturday um so that was and it was just like a wonderful experience all around the weather was beautiful it was such a nice day I had such a good time I'm so glad you got to see it as well when it was when I saw the forecast I was worried about your trip I was like oh my gosh what happens if you go to Chicago to see the Cubs play at Wrigley and then you don't get to see the Cubs play at Wrigley so I'm glad that that worked out I was sad that you didn't get to see the Scherzer uh, Friday day or no Scherzer was Saturday who was supposed to do the Friday day game well it was supposed to be Stroman Stro- against yeah that's right that's right. Walker, which would have been a very fun matchup because obviously that's right. you know Marcus Stroman was on the Mets before he right before he was on the Cubs and so it was it would have been really fun to see the the Stroman matchup against the Mets but uh that was not to be but alas I ended up seeing the probably the best game from the Mets perspective of the four games so I I don't hate that trade-off <laughs> yeah I was gonna say the Cubs and Mets are having radically different seasons at the moment. Yeah. Y'all have a lot of victories and you're heading into the All-Star Game Red Hot. You're going to get Jacob DeGrom back and you just got Max Scherzer back and yep. everything is looking sunny and interesting in Mets land. And in fact, the Mets might be one of the suitors uh, for my favorite player in the universe, which honestly, like we'll talk about this on the, uh, later in the show, but frankly, that I would be okay with that. It's a team I can cheer for. Like no Yankees, no Cardinals, please. Like, But we'll we'll get to all of that in a second but so why don't we just kick off with that first game what did you see what did you see from the Mets perspective from the Cubs perspective I was not at this game uh, I was actually at Eno Saris um, from the Athletic was hosting a meetup 
here in Chicago at the Beer Temple. He has a new beer out from Old Irving Brewery called Ephus. And if you can find that in your specialty beer stores, you should go get some because I'm not a huge beer drinker, but it was delicious. It's like a wheat hazy something or other. Anyway, it's yummy. You should get it. It was good. Um, But so I was doing that and I did not see a ton of this game except on the video that we had going there. And frankly, it looked it looked very forgettable from a Cubs fan (laughs) perspective. So why, why don't we hear about it from a Mets fan perspective? From a Mets fan perspective, um, so the Mets, um, if anything, I mean, obviously the Mets uh, have been a good baseball team this year, overwhelmingly so, um, but their their struggles of late have been offensively. Um, they have their offense was in a bit of a cold stretch uh, heading into this series, and so to come out early and often and score a lot was encouraging to me. But then the rest of the series transpired as it did, where both teams struggled to score runs, and so I was like, I unclear if this. This is if this was a blip on the radar for the Mets or if that was them getting hot again or what it was, but it was encouraging to see the Mets score early and often. Um, obviously, Carlos Carrasco had a really good outing um, and he had been struggling a little bit, um, but I think that he faced the Astros two times in a row and the Astros absolutely kicked his butt two times. And so I think that it was really just uh, the Astros having his number a little bit and the Astros being a very good offensive ball club. Um, and so I, it was encouraging to see, uh, Carlos Carrasco head into the break strong, um, you know, and Trevor Williams, who had previously been in the Mets rotation, um, for a while while both Scherzer and DeGrom and Tyler McGill, (laughs) all three were hurt. Um, so Trevor Williams is sort of the long man. Cubs fans are familiar with Trevor Williams. Um, Trevor Williams was the Mets long man in the bullpen and he was in the rotation for much of the early season and has been relegated back to what I believe is his better role as a long man. And he finished that game for Carlos Carrasco and look good doing so. So that was encouraging from a Mets fan perspective to see too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this series, the theme, um, other than the, other than on the Mets side in the eight to nothing game, the theme for both clubs was the struggling to take advantage with runners in scoring position, which I know is something that the Cubs have struggled with all season long. So. Yeah, the Cubs have struggled with uh, runners and scoring position, although this weekend is one of those weekends. Look, Wrigley Field is a weird place. When the wind mm. is blowing out, it is a hitter's paradise. And when the wind is blowing in, it can be very difficult to score runs indeed. I kind of lost track over of the number of balls that I saw over the course of the weekend that probably would have been home runs on even just a neutral day, but because the wind was blowing in like and robbing 30 feet of baseball distance from all of them that they were just kind of it was like ah it's not, that's gonna be a long out and that's gonna be a long out and that's yeah. gonna be a long out and that's gonna be a long out I mean there was a ball today uh we're recording this on Sunday right as the MLB draft has started by the way um Matt yes. Holiday's son Jackson Holiday is the first overall pick in this year's draft interestingly Matt Holiday is the second largest Cubs killer of the last 20 years from the Cardinals. The first being Albert Pujols, who we'll talk about later. But um, anyway, we're recording this Sunday. And and as I was watching the game today, I saw a ball that was like a routine pop-up to like shallow right that honestly just mystified Frank Schwindel and Seiya Suzuki. And that's not because they're bad baseball players. It's because the wind was howling. It was really hard to catch up with some of those balls this week. And I think that robbed both teams of a lot of offense. Yeah, yeah, there were there were definitely a few fly balls to center that I thought were hit were struck well on both sides that I think would have been home runs if not for the wind. Uh, but yeah, it, so it was it we kept it kept the games low scoring the, the rest of the series other than Thursday. Totally, and two of those games on Saturday, so wound up with a split doubleheader on Saturday. Um, 
wound up both going extra innings. I have been joking a lot on Twitter that the Cubs have this pen chant too. Their bullpen totally shows up when the game is tied and they can make, they can prolong it. Particularly if it, there's like a double header or like it's a really long series or they don't have an off day for five days. It's like, let's burn out the bullpen in a loss. I am so over the Manfred man and extras. I, I think it needs to it. be tweaked. I don't love it starting right away in the 10th inning. If you have to do it, do it in like the 12th or the 13th. I I'm, agree with that. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I'm curious what other fan bases think about this. This is not just because I think the Cubs always get jobbed by it, but it just fundamentally changes the game of baseball into a game where it's so much easier to score that it just, I, I don't know. I, I don't love the dynamic. I don't love what it does to bullpen arms who would otherwise be quite good. Allison, I'm curious about your thoughts. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that, Sarah. I mean, luckily for the Mets, they have a closer in Edwin Diaz who strikes out over 50% of the batters he faces. And so he is the type of pitcher that is ideally suited to this style of extra innings. However, that's not what the majority of relievers are. Um, And I think that the majority of relievers get really screwed by this. Um, And it's like you get to a situation where you really just need a strikeout or and you need to play for if you're the if you're the away team, you almost need to play for more than one run in that inning because you know that probably the home team is going to get at least that one run back. Um, And it does make for. Like it does do its job in the sense that it has made the game shorter, but I think that a good compromise would be to start it in the 12th, because to me, it's kind of like what you said, like it fundamentally changes the strategy. It fundamentally changes like what baseball is to me. Like, it's like, it's entirely different than what it should be in my opinion. And I think that starting it in the 12th would be a good compromise because I understand the desire to limit the 20 inning games, the 18 inning games, and it has done that. Um, But I think that you could just as easily accomplish that by starting it in the 12th inning or something like that. Well, it's also so interesting what you're saying about strikeouts because everything we hear from MLB's MLB's offices are that they want to move the game away from like the strikeout walk home run style offense. They want to move it towards more action, more singles, more stolen bases, all of those types of things. And so having a rule that fundamentally privileges bullpen arms that are strikeout guys as opposed to bullpen arms who are pitched to contact guys seems counterintuitive to me. And in a sense, it's like, yeah. And it also like the shortening of the game. I get why people want to do that. Although I will say I've been to a couple of those 18 inning affairs and they do sort of feel like marathons. Like you get your merit badge at the end. If you have struck, if you've stood them out and your team manages to win, but like, Doing all of that just privileges this bullpen palooza thing that lots of teams are doing where it's like, oh, well, we only need starters who go four innings and then they never see the anybody third time through the order and we'll just like throw throw some random guy that's got an excellent sinker, an excellent slider, an excellent splitter or whatever, some unhittable pitch and he only has to get three outs and then we're done. And that's why they're running out of arms. That's why they need to shorten the game. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's like five in one hand, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. And they and you know we we went into this season two with a special rule about roster sizes, and that was because of COVID. But if you think about it, like they 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 finally put into place the limit that you have to have uh, thirteen pitchers or fewer on the roster. And you know if you have this style where you you're burning all these bullpen arms, but yet you're also saying that teams can't have more than thirteen pitchers on their roster then you're severely limiting, like, it's just setting up for people to get hurt. I agree. It's just setting up for people to get hurt. 
Totally. Uh, you mentioned Marcus Stroman, former Met and current mm-hmm. Cub. He had an excellent starty start again in this one. Didn't go particularly long. I think that he was out of the game after about 80 some odd pitches. 89 is what I have in my head. I don't have it in front of me at the moment. So if it's 87 or if it's like 91 or something, I apologize to that for to some listener who knows this <laughs> off the top of their head. When I don't, um, he, you know, the Cubs just, I don't know, both of these extra inning games, it felt like there was one or two mistakes that the game kind of turned on and Frankly, that's because the Cubs are playing a bunch of AAA guys and rookies and the and the Mets are a, a full-fledged Major League Baseball team, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it was in the end, it was really like the Mets getting good pitching through the whole series and good defense, very good defense. Um, this that's something different about the 2022 Mets that have that has that has not been a thing in previous iterations of Mets teams, even good Mets teams of the past. Um, even the 2015 Mets who went to the World Series were not a particularly strong defensive team. This team is different in that regard, um, in that they are a very good defensive team, um, and have been throughout the whole season um and the Mets had one or two plays um in those extra inning games particularly I'm thinking about the scoop by JD Davis at first base JD Davis is not a natural first baseman um so that scoop was like a borderline miraculous play from him um so you know plays like that that really made the difference in the games because both offenses were not really not really uh too not really um uh plugged in <laughs> in the uh, in the extra inning games yeah that scoop stood out to me the other play that really stood out to me um was in the Saturday night game this is the game that Max Scherzer and Drew Smiley dueled off and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second but I want to say before we get to it like thanks to Allison for selling me one of her seats from the earlier game I had excellent seats for this one up up in 322 which is um right overlooking kind of like overlooking the dugout it's it's a really awesome sight line at Wrigley and Pete Alonzo had a nice play on a pop-up out there that was another one of those balls that easily could have been just like oh the wind killed it here and Pete Alonzo did not let that happen and I was like oh you're killing me Pete but it was also a great play I put an exclamation point on it on my scorecard um you know it's interesting what you're saying here about defense because frankly okay so when I sent these notes to Allison I was worried Allison was going to get mad at me the title of this episode is the Cubs are Metsing and that is not uh that is that is not an insult to the Mets the Mets are very good this year but the the Mets have not always had that reputation of like things go wrong for the Mets and you're like what is this like why does Noah Syndergaard have a torn bicep like what is going on with this prop like I don't know injuries and problems and whatever that has not really been the case this year or to the extent that it's been the case they've managed to overcome it Allison what's going on with that why is Metsing no longer a Mets thing um I think that it's a combination of things I think that the um I think that the simply the willingness to spend money uh, on the part of ownership and sign good players and acquire sufficient depth has been huge for this team um I also think that they've been so they have been um very lucky on the position player side to not have had too too many injuries although they have catcher injuries but we'll get to that in in a little bit when we talk about Wilson Contreras um but they have had terrible pitching injuries uh, obviously DeGrom has not thrown a pitch Jacob DeGrom the best pitcher in baseball up until this year has not thrown a single pitch for the Mets this season and they are still in the position they're in 
Max Scherzer missed six weeks. They are still in the position that they're in. Um, And that's a testament to, you know, the likes of David Peterson and Tyler McGill. Tyler McGill is also hurt now, but um, both of those guys stepped up really huge for the Mets. Trevor Williams as well has stepped up huge for the Mets. So these, these depth pieces that they have had, they've had to scrape to the very bottom of that depth but they have managed to stay afloat. And I think it's because the position players have stayed pretty healthy um, and the offense has been good enough to carry this pitching. Um, And, you know, the the bullpen has been solid, but needs work. Uh, And we'll get to that when we talk about what, where else the Mets need to add. Um, Definitely bullpen. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to get to that. Um, I'm going to, we got a little bit of breaking news here because the draft is going on right as we're, Listening here, former Mets pick, uh, first round pick from last year, who did not wind up signing with the team after some like weird medical stuff and everything else. Kumar Rocker has moved up to number three overall to the Texas Rangers. Do you think the Mets might wind up regretting not following through on signing Kumar Rocker? So as we talk about the Mets no longer Metsing. <laughs> Right, like this is the most classic speak, Mets thing ever. As we speak, a lull Mets has occurred, um, and Kumar Rocker has gone number three in the draft, which I don't think anyone expected. I mean, like I, I don't pretend to be a prospect expert. We have at Amazing Avenue. I am not the the part of the prospect team. We have a whole team of people who are much much more informed about this than I am. But I, I am certainly surprised. Um, I think the Mets are going to regret this massively. I mean, I feel bad for whoever the Mets pick with that compensatory pick that they got because they didn't sign Kumar Rocker, because that person is going to be compared to Kumar Rocker for that person and Rocker's entire careers, um, whatever they end up being. Um, So I, the Mets, I mean, they desperately need to restock their farm. It's very thin. It's very, it's very top heavy. They have a few very good prospects at the top. And then after that, it's like very, very, there's nothing going on there. Um, so the fact that they have all these picks in the first round because in part because they didn't sign Rocker is like good, but I think that they they blundered that thing massively in part because they didn't they didn't the the issue wasn't necessarily not signing Rocker, it was not having a solid backup plan because they signed him massively over slot and then they didn't use that money that they ended up saving for any sort of backup plan. They could they could have done that in the lower rounds and sound not another guy over slot and spent all that money on that was going to be on rocker on him instead. Um, And they didn't come up with any contingency plan for not getting the rocker deal done. And then they didn't get the rocker deal done and they didn't have anything else. Yeah. You never want to leave money on the slot money on the table in the draft. That's, that's like the biggest no, no that is possible that you could possibly have. I mean, it'll be interesting to see for sure. I, I, you're totally right that whoever the Mets wind up pitching, picking is going to get compared to Kumar rocker, forever and ever and I hope for that kid's sake it, it, that he does really well that he's like an yeah, excellent guy and he just like does great stuff and it's like doesn't it, it's a non-issue um really really surprised to see that from the Rangers but clearly they see something that they super believe in from Kumar Rocker let's talk about another pitcher who both of us believe in that is Max Scherzer Max Scherzer was dealing in this game although I did find it humorous that one guy came out in this game and struck out the first four batters that he faced and it was not Max Scherzer it was Drew Smiley and for a hot minute I thought we might have bizarro baseball um, but we did not Max Scherzer settled down you know I don't know if I've ever told you this before I have been to four Max Scherzer starts. This was my fourth one. The first three Max Scherzer, well, one of them, he came out and got kind of lit up by the Cubs and John Lackey wound up winning that game, which I did not see coming at all. But the other two had the exact same storyline. Max Scherzer came out, was dealing, got pulled from the game with a, with a lead 
and then lost on a grand slam by one of my favorite teams. So the first was the second game of the ALCS in 2013, the Poppy Grand Slam over mm-hmm. the wall when Scherzer was a Tiger. And the second one was the David Bodie Ultimate Grand Slam game uh, in 2018 or 2017. I cannot quite remember one of those two years. And it was outstanding. And both times Max Scherzer was the guy who had the come from behind loss after he no longer had uh, control of this, well, not loss, come from behind, no decision, but he didn't get a W after he got pulled from this game. I almost thought the Cubs might have it in them last <laughs> night as they loaded the bases with Frank Schwindel up to make Max Scherzer 0 for 4 in front of me, but they, they did not. They couldn't quite pull it through. What did you see from this game? It was, that was, uh, it was an interesting Max Scherzer start to me because he, well, first of all, obviously he, um, He's been hurt for a while and, it, and he's is recently back. This wasn't his first start back, but it's one of the first, like, I think it's like his third start back since um, coming back from the injured list. Um, and he's been great since coming back from the injured list. But early on, it looked like he did not have it in that game at all. Um, and so it's like, mm, you know, like, you know, no ace is perfect. Every ace has a bad day. Even the, even the best of the best have a bad day sometimes. So I kind of thought to myself, Ooh, the, you know, he's coming back from an injury. You know, he might be a little tired. It's the last start before the break. He'll have a nice break. It'll be fine. You know, maybe he's, it's just not his best day. And then he struck out 11 batters. And it's just like, that's the type of thing that aces do, you know, like they don't have their best stuff. They don't look their greatest, but they still get the results. Um, and something interesting that Max said after the game was that um, somebody said, like, what, like, how are you feeling now versus before the injury? Like, how are you assessing this, like, half of the season in your body of work? And he said, well, now, actually, the weather's warm enough that I can grip the ball. And I actually feel better now than I did before the injury because he was saying, like, early in the season, he felt like he couldn't get a, a grip because he was like, I was playing in gross, disgusting cold weather all the time, and I couldn't get a grip on the baseball. I was always feeling off. Um, and he was like, but I feel like I'm, like, hitting my stride now, and I'm mad that I – got injured because like I could have been putting together an even better first half than I did. Um, So I thought that was interesting is that, you know, he missed the like period of the season where the weather warms up. So it went from like freezing cold when he was pitching before the injury to now it's like peak summer. um, And he feels like he's hitting his stride. So that was, that was good to hear from him. Well, that also returns us to the question of the ever-changing baseball, which I know our friend Mm. Dr. Meredith Wills has spent a ton of time on. And frankly, I, You know, I play a lot of fantasy baseball. One of the things that we're all trying to figure out as we head into the second half is what you can expect in terms of offenses going um, forward. How many home runs are there going to be? How many RBIs? Where are those going to be? Do you need to look for pull side power? Are guys going to return to having those power numbers if they hit the ball to all fields? And frankly, I have no idea. Uh, And so it's really interesting to me to hear somebody like Max Scherzer, who's been in the league for so long and been so successful in the league for so long, talk about being unable to get a grip on the ball in the early season. I really wish MLB would get the literal baseball under control. Speaking of one thing that was under control, Scott Efros is effing amazing. I love him. He struck out the side on 11 pitches when he came in in this game. I think that if uh, anyone is speculating on closers for the Chicago Cubs once they have traded David Robertson and traded Michael Givens and traded anybody else who has a one-year deal and could possibly net any prospect. Uh, Scott Efros would be a good place to look. Let's talk about this last game, which I honestly like wrote the preview for before <laughs> I went to yoga. So it still says losing in my notes, but the Cubs did not lose this game. They did Christopher Morrell, Wilson Contreras, Nico Horner managed to band together to get, to get the Cubs of W here at the very last minute. Two things about this. 
Uh, I saw Wilson Contreras ask for the ball before I left for yoga. And I was like, that's it. Like I am, I am so, so mad at Jed Hoyer right now. Like it took me about, this was a restorative yoga class, which if you're a yoga person listening, you know, is like, you kind of just lay there and your whole job is just to relax and not be angry about things and to like, let go. (laughs) And it took me like 30 minutes to do that because I was cursing Jed Hoyer silently in my head this whole time. But as I was walking home, I saw the clip of him after the game kind of wiping a tear away from his eyes and I you know he's thinking this might be the last W that I ever have at Wrigley Field the last yeah. time I hear go Cubs go as a Cub and he has been in the organization since he was 16 years old yep. 14 years it is just honestly pathetic that they are making no effort to sign somebody who could be a franchise player for them I'm cranky about it but I'm glad they got him a W what did you see from a Mets fan perspective in this game or even from like a we love Wilson Contreras fan perspective in this game yeah, I mean, I, I like the way you were describing Contreras just now, I can't help but think of like the Mets equivalent to that being Wilmer Flores and the trade that never was at first. And then eventually he did leave in free agency. He was never traded. But, um, you know, Wilmer Flores was always, even though like he's probably, he's not the player that Wilson Contreras is and he was not as central to, you know, the the a World Series winning team. Um he's he's the he was the player who was in the organization since he was 16 years old and so that's why it was heartbreaking to watch him cry on the field um during the 2015 season when it when we thought that he might get traded and then uh, historically he ended up not getting traded and going on this amazing tear and it's like a thing of lore in Mets history so I I hope for Cubs fans that it would be obviously like you know that I'm not under any illusions that the 2022 Cubs will turn it around but I it would be cool if Wilson Contreras stayed on the Cubs but uh sadly uh doesn't seem to be in their plans and it's it's heartbreaking to see as a fan um but from a Mets perspective what I saw from that game um is something that I'm gonna bring up again when we talk about trading deadline stuff is that the Mets need and need more bullpen help um they they had gotten excellent excellent relief pitching throughout this entire series and you knew that eventually it would finally fall apart they used like basically every last man in the bullpen and then drew smith came in and drew smith's had been having a rough patch um he's been good overall this season but he's hit a rough patch um i think he's getting tired he's throwing a lot of innings um the mets have a shutdown like no doubt closer but they don't have like really a a true setup man they have a bunch of like sixth and seventh inning guys masquerading as setup men um and it's been a huge problem for them this season the eighth inning big problem so that has been that was exemplified in that final game well the Cubs happen to have some bullpen arms so maybe the Cubs and Mets can make a deal uh we are going to talk about that on the flip side first we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, but don't go anywhere. We have a lot to talk about. We have a home run derby to preview. We have trade rumors to talk about. We have an all-stars game to talk about. And I'm going to rant a little bit about how MLB does not really want to grow the game because you, and you can tell by the way they treat the free food, by the way they treat the futures game. But first a quick break for our sponsors. All right, we're back. Let's start with those trade rumors, mostly because if we end with the trade rumors, we're going to end on a low note for Cubs fans, and I just can't do that to them. So uh, the Mets could use a catcher. The Cubs have a catcher. The Mets could use some bullpen arms. The Cubs have some of those. What are, is there any chance that a deal gets done from your perspective? What do you think the Mets would be willing to give up for a three-time all-star starting catcher who happens to have an excellent bat and maybe say a David Robertson or a Michael Givens or somebody that could bolster that pen? 
Right. So as much as I think Wilson Contreras is an excellent fit for the Mets, both because A, their starting catcher James McCann is injured at the moment. Again, he was he was uh, injured earlier in the season. He had a broken hamate. He rehabbed that. He came back and then he was making an excellent tag at home plate, stretching across his entire body, pulled an oblique. So now he's out for the foreseeable future. Their starting catcher is now Tomas Nito, who's an excellent backup catcher, but not really starting catcher, doesn't hit at all. Um, And so they really could use a catcher. Patrick Mazika, who's their backup catcher now, is not really a major league player. That said, um, it is hard for me to envision the Mets being the favorites for Wilson Wilson Contreras, despite the fact that the Mets need a catcher and they need a bat besides, um, because I don't think that the Mets, like I mentioned earlier in the show, the Mets system is very top heavy. They have like two to three prospects at the top that are really like prized by other teams potentially in trade, but the Mets have already made noises that they're not willing to part with those um, in part because they really don't have much else behind them. And so they're really holding on to those like few prospects they do have, and they are probably more willing to make like lower level deals. Um, And I'm just not sure that without dealing one of those top guys, they can net Wilson Contreras because he's worth, he is worth more than the prospects that the Mets are willing to deal. And I think that another team will be able to beat the Mets package. David Robertson, on the other hand, I think is a more likely trade to happen because um, he is not going to cost as much nearly as much as Wilson Contreras. I think the Mets have the pieces for that. I think that David Robertson is one of the types of arms they're going to target. They desperately need like set up men types. Um, Andrew Chafin is another example of a guy who I think that the Mets target. Um, I wanted them to sign Andrew Chafin in the offseason, quite frankly, and they didn't do that. <laughs> Instead, they went with Chase and Shreve as their uh, other lefty and Chase and Shreve has since been designated for assignment. So that didn't work. Um, so yeah, I think that, uh, David Robertson is the more likely trade than Contreras as much as I would love to have Contreras. I just don't think that the Mets are willing to part with Beatty or Alvarez, their top prospects who I think at least one of them it would take to get Contreras. Well, I want to pause on that Contreras and, and which, what types of prospects we're talking about here piece for one second. Cause I want Cubs fans to have this baseline in their head as they're listening to all of these rumors. The Cubs are going to get a better a better return for Wilson Contreras than they got for pretty much anybody that they dealt last year, except maybe Chris Bryant, maybe Javier Baez. I mean, that Pete Crow Armstrong trade was 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 pretty strong, and, and we saw Pete Crow Armstrong <laughs> in the Futures game last night. But I, I I really think that Wilson Contreras is having he's having a better season at this point in time than either of those two were having when they were traded. But additionally, he brings something that is more valuable and harder to come by in the league, which is a truly offensive forward catcher. It's not, there's not a lot of teams that are getting anything out of that catcher position. And that can be really helpful for you. Now the flip side is, and, and the big question mark there is, you know, we'd have to learn an entire new staff. He would have to be integrated into the game planning in a way that that teams don't generally do all that frequently I think the last time I saw a catcher go to a contending team was actually the Alex Avila trade when he came to the Cubs and that was as a backup that was not as a primary catcher so it'll be really interesting to see what happens there I will say Contreras's numbers as a DH compare favorably to any DH in the league and so I know a lot of NL teams are currently using that slot just kind of as an extra like give guys some rest day but if you wanted to up your level there and like get a guy in He's got a WRC plus in the 130s. Wilson Contreras is your dude. Now, talking about David Robertson as a bit, I agree with you that that probably makes more sense just from a perspective of where the Mets farm system is. Although, again, you're one of the few teams that like Wilson could go to and I wouldn't be sad about it. Um, right. 
what else do you think, if anything, the Mets need at the trade deadline? Or is it really bullpen and catcher all day? It's 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 one extra bat, however it comes, and bullpen. <laughs> Those are the two, really the two things. Um, like, uh, that's another reason why Contreras is an excellent fit for the Mets, because they could use a true DH. They are, right now, their DH is a kind of platoon combination of Dominic Smith and J.D. Davis. They are getting no production from those two players. In fact, Dominic Smith was sent to AAA in a rather surprising move partway through the season. He is back now um, and performing slightly better than he was before he was sent down, but still not to the level that you want out of your starting DH, certainly. Um, so the Mets are just, the Mets are a good offensive team, but they're getting next to no production out of their catching position or their DH positions. So I can swallow no offense from catcher if they get a true DH. Um, uh, you know, the Mets have their eyes on Jason, on, uh, on Bell as well from, from the Nationals. I think that would be an excellent fit. Huge upgrade. Um, on, on Trey Mancini, Orioles, although the Orioles are starting to make things interesting for themselves, which is very cool for them. Um, and I, as a pseudo Orioles fan, they're my AL team. I'm very much rooting for them to make things interesting this season because I think that's very fun. But I am despairing because I want Trey Mancini on the Mets so badly. <laughs> so I'm like, Orioles need to lose again so that they'll trade the, the Trey Mancini to the Mets because uh, he would be an excellent fit at the DH position for the Mets as well. So they really just need that extra bat, whether it be Contreras Bell, Mancini, that sort of DH type, and they need a reliever or two. Uh, that That is what I think that they need. Yeah, Danny and I were talking about the Orioles last episode because they just uh, left town and after sweeping the Cubs, she thinks Orioles. But like, honestly, that's a sneaky good team. It's better it than you think it is. And Frank, I think if they were in the NL Central or the AL Central, they would be in contention to win the division. Neither of those divisions has a world beating team in it. It's part of what makes the Cubs insistence that they are just going to sit this season out so frustrating. It's a winnable year mm, in a winnable yep. division and the Cubs are like oh we're just gonna leave money on the table and not sign guys it's like what what do you know that you're a major market team stop acting like you're the Tampa Bay Rays this is pathetic exactly um, yeah but the no I, I like the Orioles I like the Orioles a lot and I think you might be right that Trey Mancini might not get dealt but Josh Bell certainly could and that's an interesting fit for sure speaking of players the Nationals might trade Juan Soto turns down a 15-year, $440 million contract extension and is now on the block. That opens up a whole slew of possibilities for trades, for three-way trades, for all types of things that could happen going into this trade deadline. Because Juan Soto, in my ne'er-to-be-humble opinion, looks like the second coming of Ted Williams. And I yes. am just unbelievably impressed with his ability to make contact, to get on base, and to adjust his his position at the plate. Um, I also think that if the price tag is 15 years, 440 million, there are very few teams that are going to pay that. Uh, the Cubs could pay that if they decided to stop acting like a poverty franchise, but they probably won't. I think you got the Yankees, you got the Mets, you got the Dodgers. Please, dear God, Ricketts, remember your billionaires. But again, <laughs> that's yep. the life I live. I mean, is there anyone else that would even be in the ballpark for something like that? San Diego, maybe. Um, that's that's really about it. There's maybe like five teams. Um, yeah, it's that wild. both. I mean, there's five teams that will pay that and have the prospect package to acquire him. Um, yeah, and it's it's interesting because it's like there's kind of two things on the table, right? There's like, what's the likelihood that he reaches free agency? Um, because uh, do you have a team that does the trade and extend? 
or do you have a team that trades doesn't extend and then he reaches free agency and then you have a t- and then you get a new sweepstakes that's just about money um I mean, it like I mentioned, the Mets are very reluctant to ta- part with these like top like three prospects that they have. Um, but I think that Juan Soto would be an exception to any rule in that regard because he is literally a franchise changing player. Um, I think the Mets are one of the few teams that have a package that that they could put together that would net Soto. Maybe not at this trade deadline right now, but maybe in the off season when there's like a little less team control left, the nationals become slightly more desperate. Um, I think that the Mets are one of the few teams that they, that they, that could do it um, and, and can afford to extend if they want. Um, that said, I don't know if the within division uh, adds an extra um, adds an extra, you know, like uh premium on top of, on top of that, like how willing the Nationals are to trade in division, I've heard conflicting rumors about that. I have heard from some folks that are more well-connected than I that the Nationals are very reluctant to trade within division. But I have also heard from uh, official sources from and- Andy Martino of SNY um, recently reported that the Nationals see the Mets as as one of the few potential suitors that could put together a package for Soto. So who knows? <laughs> Back up the truck, do whatever it takes, trade everyone, pay whatever it takes. I will do anything to have Juan Soto on the Mets. Well, and what's wild about that is he would have him until 2024. I think that's when he hits free agency. So you're not talking about like a year or half a year of Juan Soto. You're talking about like two and a half seasons of Juan Soto. That's That's a game changer for sure. And now I'm remembering that the Yankees could use an outfielder. And please, dear God, don't do that to me. I can't handle Juan Soto on the New York Yankees. Um, let's let's not let's not do that to ourselves no. right now. Let's talk about the futures game instead. So I'm sitting at Wrigley Field in these lovely seats, one of which I I purchased from Allison because I wanted it to go to good use. And I get these alerts on my phone about the futures game, which I was recording at home. But like, why should I need to like worry about having Peacock? I guess it's not recording it. It's like you're, you've got it on access. I don't even know, like access on streaming or whatever, like TiVo. But yeah. like, why should I even need to worry about having Peacock or anything else to get one of these games? Why is the MLB Futures game against a Yankees-Red Sox game and a Cubs-Mets game on a Saturday night? What is even going on in MLB's offices that they think this is how you grow the game? It's, Shouldn't it's that so be a silly. showcase on its they own? They have a whole week off. They have a whole week off. <laughs> Why on, can't like, you just put it prime time? <laughs> yeah. Why can't you just put it on any one of those other days when it's not the home run derby or all star game? They have like three other days to work with next week. Yeah, isn't Wednesday a day with literally no baseball? Yeah. So like I understand they might not have wanted to conflict with the draft and they're trying to do the streaming stuff and everything, but like Wednesday there is no baseball on. You could use it as the day to highlight your young stars. Like I don't understand why this game is hidden on a streaming service nobody has. My personal favorite was a tweet that reported that uh Dave Roberts did not even watch the Futures game cuz he couldn't figure out how to get it cuz they don't have Peacock in the Dodgers clubhouse. Right. Like come on. The teams can't watch. The teams the literal teams, the literal manager who might be interested in some of these dudes someday. Uh, can't watch. Come on, MLB. Get it together. All right. Ridiculous. Let's talk about some things that are more fun to close out this episode. The Home Run Derby will be on Monday night, if I remember correctly. Yes. And Pete Alonzo is trying to three-peat 
in the Derby. Uh, Pete Alonso was built for this event. I've never yes. seen anyone more comfortable with the home run derby than Pete Alonso. He also has a sneaky good uh, pitcher throwing batting practice to him. I we looked at this. Yeah, we looked at this last year at Fangraphs and really part of Pete Alonso's uh, part of Pete Alonso's magic here is just that his pitching coach is throwing right in the zone and like always Jouse in the is zone. Jouse is the secret sauce. Like he's, he's such a good pitcher. He's such a good uh, batting practice pitcher. Like he's so good at it. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to, uh, for Pete to hopefully three Pete, that would be so fun. Um, and like you said, there's really like no person who's built for the home run derby more than Pete Alonzo. He's just like, he's a golden retriever who hit, loves nothing more than to hit baseballs extremely hard. Like that is his whole personality. <laughs> okay. Speaking of, did you see the like kind of awkward Christopher Morrell, Pete Alonzo hug at yes. base today? Okay. I loved this so much. This is what Christopher Morrell does, by the way, he did it to Paul Goldschmidt on like Sunday night baseball too, because of course he did. Christopher Morrell is introducing himself to the whole league and he's like, Hey, I, nice to meet you. I'm at first base. You're at first base. Let's have a hug. I thought it was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my so entire life. So good. <laughs> I love that. I love that stuff. Yeah, I also love it. Uh, I think that there's another interesting storyline here for Cubs fans. Kyle Schwarber was absolutely robbed in the home run derby in 2018. And Cubs fans will remember this because he was going up against Bryce Harper in DC and Bryce Harper's dad was throwing the pitches before the ball had landed. And the rules say that you do not get to throw the pitch before the ball landed. So Bryce Harper got more physical pitches to possibly hit out and beat Kyle Schwarber by one. Uno, one home run. I'm still kind of salty about it. Kyle Schwarber's having a monster year. I think he has 28 home runs going into the break. I mean, it's yeah. utterly absurd. He's the one seed because he has the most home runs. Pete Alonso is the two seed. I remember when I was watching the seeding, I didn't at first because the game was on mute in a restaurant and I didn't realize the, the show was on mute in a restaurant. And I didn't realize that like it, the seeding was based on number of home runs. And I was like, how is Pete Alonso not the one seed? He's the two time defending champion. And I was like, oh, because Kyle Schwarber has more home runs than him. And he's the only one who does who's participating. Yeah, that's going to be an epic showdown. I mean, I, it is. the seeding doesn't usually work out that way. There's always upsets and weird things going on. But if it's Kyle Schwarber versus Pete Alonso, that is must-see TV to me. And and I am here for That'd be it. That'd very fun. Uh, I, I am 100% here for that as the final map, matchup. Um, also, Pujols is in the home run derby because Pujols... Yeah. Why? Like, I'm so over... I, I, I'm I sorry. The Cardinals AARP tour, is a, it's, it's no pun intended. It's already gotten old. Yeah, I don't know. He's there. He's there. I like, I like on one hand, because I was talking to my dad about this when we were in the restaurant, like, and the seating was being shown. And my dad was just like, really? Like, Pujols? Like, is he even going to, like, hit any home runs? And I was like, I, I like it's there's a difference between like the in-game power and the batting practice power. Like, I'm sure Pujols still has oh, batting yeah. practice in him. Like, you can still do it. Um, So I don't know. But that would be... I don't, I, I certainly don't want him out of the first round. So is he the, he's the last seed, right? I haven't looked at the I seeding. I think so. He, so he gets to go against Pete Alonso. Is that how this works? No, um, Pete Alonso is facing Ronald Acuna Jr. in the first round. Oh, so Kyle Schwarber good. is facing Albert Pujols. I think so. That's I think Cardinals. so. Dude, Kyle, please, for the love of God. I can't, I can't handle Albert Pujols progressing past the first round. Um, all right. All-star game. Let's wrap up with this. What should Mets fans be keeping an eye out for as the all oh wait, hold on. We're gonna we're gonna breaking news for one second because the Cubs selection of the draft has just happened. And it is Cade Horton, a right-handed pitcher from Oklahoma, 
which is intriguing to me because it's not really on this list of like top seven magnificent seven people that um, everybody had been talking about. Although Jed Hoyer did say last week that they would be willing to go under swap under slot quantity over quality in the event that they didn't get one of their top guys falling to them. Gee, that's great. I'm glad you're tanking so that you can go quantity over quality in the draft and not spend money again. <sighs> I'm so over the Hoyerization of the Cubs. I can't handle it. Uh, back to the all-star game. Let's end on something good. So um, the Mets are, uh, from a Mets perspective, it's very exciting because now Jeff McNeil is starting at second base. So that's something to look forward to for Mets fans because the Mets didn't have any starters like voted in um, despite having four all-stars. None of them were voted in. Um, I think, you know, in most in most universes, Pete Alonso would be the starting first baseman, but uh, but literally Paul Goldschmidt is probably going to be the NL MVP. So um, obviously, you know, not saying that it was not deserved by Paul Goldschmidt, but, um, but you know, Pete Alonso is not the starting first baseman despite having the year that he's having. Um, but Jeff McNeil is now the starting second baseman because Jazz Chisholm Jr., who was the original um, voted guy who was voted in, is injured. So um, that's very exciting. So the Mets will have that to look forward to. They do have one representative in the starting lineup. Um, I'm also just really looking forward to Edwin Diaz pitching in the All-Star game, to be perfectly honest. That's like the other thing I'm looking forward to most. I hope that um, he strikes out the side and looks really good doing it, which is something Mets fans have been seeing all year long, but the whole world should see it because Edwin Diaz is having like, he's just, he's just on a different level right now. It's like video game stuff watching him. Like it's absolutely insane. Yeah. That is always fun for sure. I am really um, excited to see the Contreras brothers, both in the starting lineup with yeah. Contreras brother Palooza has been one of the few saving graces of this season for me it's it's really so pure just to watch Wilson just be very happy for his younger brother and to like have them share these experiences I am glad that presumably uh we made it where Wilson will have those experiences in a Cubs uniform just under the wire I already ordered <laughs> myself uh, like I never do the special jerseys like the all-star jersey or whatever I, right, I don't generally do I, like them but I thought these were pretty good and I was like it's probably the last Wilson Contreras Cubs jersey so it's mine and I did that. And I'm glad that I'll have it hopefully in time for the game on Tuesday. But um, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to seeing Ian Happ get a little bit of love. Ian Happ has been much better than he gets credit for. I was, yeah. I was kind of bummed that he didn't make it to the fan ballot because I think he might have made it in. If you just compare stats, he's had a better season than Adam Duvall. And I think he's had a better season than Starling Marte. No offense, Mets listeners who may be listening. Um, but I so I'm really excited to see Ian Happ get a chance to play in his first all-star game first all-star games are always fun yeah yeah it is always really fun to get the your very first all-star nod um especially when you're like you know a little while into your career um the way Hap is so it's very cool like kind of later in your career to be like yay I'm finally getting recognized for the work of the body of work not just like the season that you've put together but it kind of feels like you're getting recognized for your body of work um as a ball player totally I am super excited to see the all-star game even though I know it doesn't matter and I'm glad it doesn't like count for the world series or anything like that it's always fun to see um, the players shine to the red carpet is a, is a super fun moment for me seeing what they wear when they get a chance to show up. And I love that they usually have the kids interview them on the red carpet. Yep. yep so yep. I'm very much looking forward to the kids interviews of the players because they ask great questions. Is there anything you're particularly looking forward to in addition to the players, Allison? Um, I, I mean, mostly the home run derby, honestly. <laughs> 
but but the whole all-star game experience i i love it every year i really do i i love um i love the pomp and circumstance of the all-star game i know that most people i feel like most baseball fans don't really care about it um but and i agree with you i'm glad it doesn't count for anything because i think that that's really silly um but i I, i'm looking forward to the all-star game i really loved the i really love like the mic'd up players and i am hoping that we get some really good mic'd up content from players um i also just really love getting to see players that like i don't see all that much which like that's why even though like the the uh change in schedule for the future of major league baseball where there's less in division in division games and more games out of division like even though that's not popular with i feel like a lot of the old guard i kind of like that change because like I just like to see the fun players on every team. And I like, you know, I don't get to see Shohei Otani play all the time. Like, it's very fun to get to see Shohei Otani play. He plays after I go to bed (laughs) on the East Coast and he plays in the American League. Um, You know, so the Mets don't play the Angels all that often. Um, So getting to see the likes of Trout, getting to see the likes of Otani, Rodriguez on the on the Mariners like uh, like AL West like I never see those players so like getting to see players that I don't get to see that often and also the mic'd up content those are probably the two things I'm looking forward to most outstanding well after the all-star break uh we will head into trade season which we already talked about here a little bit the Mets will head into a playoff run which we used to know what those were like here in Wrigleyville but no more. Uh, we're, this is Jed's world now. We're all just living in it. Allison, when people are looking for some playoff content and they've decided to adopt the Mets as their team because maybe David Robertson or Wilson Contreras is on the Mets now and they've decided that's who they're going to follow, where can they find you and your wonderful Mets content? Um, you can find me uh, at AmazingAvenue.com um, and you can find my podcast there along with all of the other um, awesome pods uh, as part of our entire suite of podcasts. We'll have uh, our um, our awesome uh, guys that cover the minor leagues are going to be covering this draft. So like everything you need to know about the draft, you can listen to their uh, podcast from Complex to Queens. Our podcast is A Pod of Their Own, which you can also follow on Twitter at A Pod of Their Own. And you can follow me on Twitter at Petite PhD and find all of our writing at AmazingAvenue.com. And uh, Amazing Avenue is also on all the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Amazing Avenue. You can follow them there as well. Awesome. I have had the distinct pleasure and honor of joining a pot of their own now and again they are wonderful ladies to listen and talk to about baseball definitely check out all of the podcasts over at amazing avenue and check out the amazing avenue site it's it's a nice community and if you like the bleed cubby blue site you'll like the amazing avenue site too you can find me and all of my takes including why i'm so over jed hoyer's uh management of the chicago cubs by following me at at bcb underscore sarah you can find everything from the podcast, including episodes and anything that we reference at, at Cup of Cubby Blue. Danny will be back probably right before the All-Star break when we'll preview the second half and tell you what you can look, I would say look forward to, but just just what you can observe as a Cubs fan <laughs> uh, in the second half. <laughs> Until next time, have a good one. <laughs>